So, praise the Lord. If you have your Bible tonight, let's go to 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21. I do have something I want to teach on in particular, focusing in on something I believe will help you. How many like to be helped in their spiritual walk with the Lord? We're going to look at a story tonight. Many times when we're in a, in a fight or a battle, um, sometimes there's times when we discern and feel like the Lord is speaking to us that you're in the type of a battle that you have to fight through, that you have to, to fight the enemy and get through to the other side to victory. And then I found battles that the Lord just quiets my soul and tells me to stand right where I am. Ephesians teaches us that, to stand against everything the enemy would try to do. So really in life there are two types of battles. And uh, sometimes we have to fight for the peace that we get. And sometimes the peace just comes and help, helps us stand in the midst of a storm. And both are equally important because we need to discern the season that we may be in in order to see the victory that God has in our lives. I mentioned it Sunday, and this may be a little bit of an extension of what I talked about Sunday, although in the Old Testament. Um, I mentioned Sunday that there are over 7,000 promises in the Word of God. And so, in other words, God has a lot of promises that we can lay hold to and we can claim and we can believe in faith. It's so important to allow what we believe to be mixed with faith and faith in who God is, faith in his word, faith in those areas. But there really should not be a place of lack in a believer's life. And I don't mean that there's not times where we go through where things don't seem to be adding up even financially or maybe in a relationship uh, with your spouse or in your family or work relationships, some area of our life where there seems to just be a lack, I oftentimes find that we don't step back and do what David did in the scriptures we're getting ready to read, and that's to discern what the root of the lack that was going on in the lives of the Israelites here in this chapter and I have learned there's a difference between living under God's mercy. How many understand God is so merciful and good? He even sends rain as it's raining outside right now. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. It's, a, it's an important element of understanding who God is and his character. God is so good. He's a blessing God. He's a good God. But I have found there's a difference between me operating under the mercy of God and me operating under the blessing of God. I want to teach you tonight that you want to operate under God's blessing. You want to look out at your life and really truly say, and that doesn't mean again that there aren't things that happen, um, there aren't difficulties. We know in the world we live in, there were some storms in Louisiana just last night and New Orleans just did devastation. So as we look around, we can get a little nervous and say, man, it just seems like everything's falling apart. But I want to tell you tonight, there is a place for the people of God. There is a place of his protection, his blessing, his provision. And as David even said, he said, I'm young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaking nor his seed begging bread. Does anybody testify of that in here? You've lived enough of life. To understand, even in those lean times, which there are lean times, as Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wasn't always the good, it was also sometimes the negative. And as we read this scripture today, I really want you to catch just a few words, because I really think it will impact you and help you understand that sometimes when things aren't adding up, as we 
evaluate our lives. And it just seems like, man, there's, a, there's an area of lack here. The best thing you can do is inquire of the Lord as to why. I've preached this before and I've said it many times and I'll say it again because I think this is one of the key elements to our spiritual lives. Many of us are trying to change the fruit of something without getting to the root of what it really is. If you get to the root, you can change your fruit. So oftentimes we we look at our lives and we kind of say, man, I, I barely made it another month and just barely kind of scraped by. And look, I've been there more times than I care to admit but I have to at some point read my word and understand that barely getting by is not what he called me to be as a Christian. He called me to be blessed so that I can become a blessing to many other people. Are you tracking with me so far? As we read this, we will look at a situation David and the people of God are facing. It wasn't about trials. It wasn't about enemies. It was about something done wrong in the past that needed to be made right in order for the blessing to flow again. And we're going to read just three verses and refer back to those often and pull some things out there that will help us. Look here in 2 Samuel 21. Did I give you the chapter? All right, verse 1. These three three, uh, verses right here, and then we'll, we'll break it down. Now, there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. Everybody say year after year year after year and David sought the presence of the Lord and the Lord answered it is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house because he killed the Gibeonites so the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel but of the remnant of the Amorites the children of Israel had sworn to protect them but Saul had sought to kill them in the zeal for the children of Israel and Judah verse 3 Therefore, David David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and with what shall I make atonement, that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Father, as always, as I open your holy word tonight, I pray that you would help me, that you would anoint me, and that you would help this be more than just words. But God, it would be anointed to go into the hearts of the people that are present here today. And God, more, more than anything, we want to become more like you. Father, we want your word to correct us and guide us and teach us tonight. Father, let the fruit and seed of your word be grown in good soil tonight, Father. We love and praise and glorify you. Amen. There are battles that you will go through and there are things that you will go through that look like battles but are really consequences. I'll say it again. There are things that you will go through that look like battles but there are really consequences perhaps of something in the past that is manifesting itself later on. It's the reason that we endeavor to be a very balanced church, letting you know that God loves you, he's for you, he's merciful, he's gracious, and he will make something out of your life as you apply yourself to him. But we also understand the principle of sin and the principle of disobedience to God. It there are consequences to not obeying what God said for us to do. So in this instance that we're looking at, David has a situation in front of him that something just doesn't add up. Have you ever evaluated your life? And it, even, even you could say this, it just doesn't pass the right smell test. It just There's something not quite right in this area. And the best thing that any of us can do, the most important element of this passage, 
that is a spiritual principle taken out of the Old Testament is David wasn't going to let the famine and the lack just continue on another year and another year and another year and another year. We do this in life. We look at our lives and we even say, boy, this doesn't really line up with God's word in this, in this area of my life, but I think I'll just try to duct tape it all back together, right? Do you realize that we call it duct tape, D-U-C-K? If you go to the store, you're going to see a thing there called duct tape, and it, it, the brand name has a little duck on it. Do you know what that was made for? Duct, D-U-C-T. It was made to tape up duct work inside of a home so it's all sealed up and the air flows through it. But what do we do? We use it for everything. I do. <laughs> like, you know, there's something wrong here in the house. I'm like, where's the duct tape at, Leah? We go through so many rolls of that stuff. The problem with doing that, though, is you're not really fixing the problem in the way that the problem is called to be fixed. And so many of us go through our spiritual lives year after year after year after year after year, and we never step back and do something that is so incredibly important. God, why is it I do the the things that I do? Why is it that I say the things that I say? Why is it that when I'm in a bad spot uh, in my life and everything's kind of crushing down on me, do I turn to the beer or do I turn to drugs or do I turn to an illicit relationship or I turn to cheating or doing something else? Why do these things keep on circling around in my life? It was just such an occasion that David has right here in the scriptures because he's now been king. Remember, he was anointed many years before this, but he's finally the, the head. He's finally the king. He is responsible for the people of God living according to God's word and, and being blessed. And he looked around at his kingdom there, and he said, there's something not right because God promised us a land flowing with milk and honey, but we're not living in a, flan, a land flowing fland. I've just put two words together there. A land flowing with milk and honey. We're not living in that. We're living in a place of lack. And I came to tell you tonight, God will let you know why things are going on the way that they're going on in your life. He's a good father. My kids come to me and, Dad, I don't understand why I keep having the same result from the the same situation. Well, allow me as your father to explain to you that if you quit doing this, you're going to get this. If you keep doing this, these are the consequences of it. God is no different. He's a good father. And he even tells us that when we come to him, if you're a son or daughter of God, it's perfectly natural for him to chasten us, to correct us, to give us. And I I, I don't want to use this language to make God out to be some kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, mean or mad we never come to god and he's any of those things god wants to help you god wants to bless you first peter verse six says in all this and all this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials so you will go through things according to god's word where god has set a time limit on them he is in control it's to test test our faith it's to refine our faith to teach his people to war for what God has promised. But this passage that we just read is completely different than that type of a scenario. There are some things you can go through, and there are other things you are facing that you can't go through. They must be resolved. Everybody say resolved. Resolved. There's some things you just have to keep faith and walk through and go through, and you know it. 
you know that there's nothing you can really do about the situation. You just got to stand. You got to fight your way through it, whether it's, it's an issue in your family or an issue, whatever it is, whatever issue, you've got to go all the way through it. But listen to me. There are times in our spiritual lives and walk with the Lord that he will come along and say, look, the reason you're getting this result is you need to go and make something right. Amen? There are some things you can't simply go through. The, word, the key word there in that passage to me is year after year. Let me ask you a question. This is my question for you tonight to ponder, to allow the Holy Spirit to hopefully get into your heart and find. What things have you seen to be going through year after year after year after year? Church, if, if, if you're still apologizing to the same people for the same blow-ups, it ain't the people. It's you. If you keep coming into the same situation over, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about one time you got angry, upset, mad, and this is just one little, one little situation. I'm talking about it's year after year after year after year. I know in my life, and none of us are a finished product. Do you thank God for that? But even in my life, as I was very honest and shared Sunday, you know, sometimes my, my problem is my temper. But my temper isn't anywhere near where it was 10 years ago. Do you know why? Because God is showing me, and every time that I, every time that I have any kind of an episode, any time, I stop and I inquire of the Lord, God, where did that come from? And if there's a restitution to be made, either then or going all the way back, I want you to know that I'm serious in my spiritual life about making that restitution. It's important. There are some things that need to be resolved. And when you look in verse 1, something about what was going on, the famine... It just didn't seem right to David. We need to be spiritually discerning about every situation in our lives, church. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And he may come and say, look, this isn't any of your doing. This isn't anything you've caused. You just need to just kind of allow me to strengthen you and in faith kind of walk through it. And, and think about it. Think about a famine in those days. They didn't have a Sam's Club. They didn't, they didn't have a whole huge geographical area. I mean, if, if, if oranges get messed up in California, then Florida kicks in, right? We, we don't understand what they were living through. It was a literal lack. It was a famine. It was, hey, we don't necessarily have food to put in our mouths. And there are so many times that, that they would face a battle, but this one was different. It was continuing again year after year after year. So what David did was David sought the presence of the Lord. What a great way to start, right? You see lack, you see an area that you're just not sure about. God, why does this keep happening? Why, why, why is this? And, but when you do want the presence of the Lord, here's the thing. When we ask for God's presence to show up, that's what he did. He sought the presence of the Lord. When we ask for the presence of the Lord to show up, Oftentimes we think it's a goosebump and a, and a, sh- a good shout in church. Can I tell you what it's been in my life, especially lately? <laughs> he's, he, the Bible says he's a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap when he comes. Malachi teaches us that. So wanting the presence of God, <laughs> think, think about this for a minute. Think about it. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the people of Jesus' day spent every single day praying for the Messiah to come. Every day, answer us, answer us. God, we need the Messiah. We need the Messiah. We need the Messiah. And then when he shows up, they rejected him. How often do we do this in our lives? Because it doesn't look like, in other words, what he came to simply do, he said, 
Here's what he told them. He said, look, you guys are dead man bones in whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tombs. Why was that the truth when you finally compare? You see, what we do in our lives when it comes to seeking the Lord and his presence coming is we love to compare ourselves to the person sitting on the same row as us. But I can tell you what the key is to actually getting the right kind of heart and the right kind of, of, the right kind of attitude towards sin in our lives. Don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to him because when his presence shows up, listen, he is dressed in a robe of white. And when he shows up, I'm thinking he's there to help, and he is, but he's also there. When he came to David, he said, David, I'm here to help you, but it's not going to look like the help that you thought you were going to get. Because God's presence shows up like a fire. It shows up like a laundry soap. I've told this story before, but it's so good for this illustration, I can't resist. My wife loves to throw stuff out of my closet. And it's springtime, so I'm getting nervous. She doesn't tell me. She just told me the other day. This was just I literally days ago. We were talking to the kids, and it's, it's cool to have older kids now because you can tell them the history, tell them about dating, tell them where we met, where we you know, went on our first date, just do all the normal stuff. And uh, I asked a very dangerous question there in the presence of my kids and my wife. I said, was there anything about me you didn't like when we first started dating? <laughs> she said, I hated that belt that you wore. There was a particular belt. She went as far to tell me, she said, I almost broke up with you over it. I'm like, a belt? A belt? And, y'all, if I had this thing in my hand right now, probably 90% of you would love it, especially the men. It was a man's belt, y'all. It was a good belt. She said, you used to tuck your shirt back when I could tuck my shirt in. Everything was flat. Tuck my shirt in real good. And she said, that belt was right there. She said, I just couldn't get over it. I, I want to tell you tonight, that belt had disappeared years ago. And I never thought anything of it. And I asked her then, I said, you've got rich. She said, I absolutely did. <laughs> so I came in one time to an encounter with Leah cleaning out my closet. I've had many of these over the years. But this one in particular, I blamed her throwing something out that I thought she had gotten rid of, and she didn't. She, I said, Leah, where's my white shorts? They're just simple shorts, but I love these shorts. They're some of my favorite, most comfortable shorts. And they were white. And she looked at me and said, you don't have any white shorts. And I said, Leah, I have white shorts. I wear them. And she started to think, and she said, you're gray shorts? And I said, Leah, I don't have gray shorts. I have white shorts. So I finally found them. And one day, this was just like a couple weeks down the road, I'd put my, I'd put my, my white, to me, shorts on. But then I got new white T-shirts before I put my other shirt over it. As you can see, I wear a T-shirt almost everything I wear. So I put a brand-new white T-shirt and I looked in the mirror, and the shorts were gray. I've never admitted that to her to this day. But they were, they, they were getting old and dingy, and they were getting to the place. Do you understand just walking through this world, church? The world just, we have a battle with the, 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 the flesh, the world, and the, the enemy. And discerning where that battle is in any season of your life will ensure the victory of how you fight it. And we oftentimes compare ourselves to others. When Jesus comes with his presence, it's not comparing. The Pharisees were the gold standard of religion in the day that Jesus showed up at. I mean, the gold standard. They did everything, you know, religiously and did. And even he said this because, again, you, they couldn't compare themselves to one another or the rest of the population. That's what they were doing. 
hey, I'm, I'm pretty good. I pray all these times a day. I know the word better than this guy over here that's leading sheep or building, you know, fences or this carpenter, or this fisherman over here. Surely the fishermen aren't as holy as I am. But when Jesus shows up, my point is when you begin to seek the presence of the Lord and he shows up, it shines a light not on the situation before it shines a light on yourself. In, the, in this circumstance, what David is going through, David's like, hey, in other words, it wasn't a food problem that they were having. We oftentimes look at our lives and we say those simple things. Well, I guess, take for instance, well, I guess I'm just having financial trouble. And Lord knows we all have strokes, especially nowadays when you go to the gas station. You know, saw a little meme on Facebook last night and I thought it was serious. The person said, I just want everybody to know I'm okay. I want everybody to know that, yeah, I'm not. And he finally, they said, I got robbed. The cops showed up. All my money's gone. I got robbed. They said, can you describe them? And they said, yes, pump three. (laughs) Gosh, is that not the truth? And we all have, but listen to me. Oftentimes we say, well, God doesn't care about me because he's not providing for all these areas of my life. But if I could ask you one simple question, are you a giver? (laughs) Whoa, got quiet. You have no right to question God about an area of your life that you're not obedient to what he's already told you to do. And this is the situation that David is facing. He doesn't know. Think about this. He doesn't know that that's the reason that they have a famine. He doesn't know that that's the reason. So my question to you tonight is what thing are you going through year after year after year after year And it doesn't seem to ever change. It doesn't ever seem to get better. As a matter of fact, it may get worse. The famine was probably progressively maybe getting worse. And it kind of woke David up to say, wait a second, this isn't what God promised. And any time that we can look at our lives and say the promise of God is not manifesting in this area, the number one best thing you can do is go get in the presence of the Lord and allow him to point out why. There's some things that God will just say, look, I've... You're just walking through a a place where I'm testing your faith. Your faith will come out on the other side purified like gold, and you'll have a stronger faith because of walking through this, and you just know in your heart, this is something i got to stand in faith, stand with God hand in hand, and go all the way through. And there's other times that God will come and say, there's something back here. Listen to me. Listen, think about this. It wasn't David's fault. It wasn't David's fault. But can I tell you something? It did become his responsibility. Oh, it is good. And I heard it at the men's thing a couple Saturdays ago. And I told the pastor, I said, I'm using that, brother. That is good stuff. And he was talking about the life of David. So my mind is, is, is what a preacher always does. When somebody else is preaching in one area of Scripture, I, my mind always goes to another area of Scripture, and it begins to form a sermon. And as I sat there and listened to him, I thought that every time that you see David except for the times that he horribly, horribly messed up, which we all do, but except for those times, there were times that when he faced something, he always knew to go to God. That is so key. You say, man, I just want you to teach me some really deep truth tonight. The deepest truth you could ever find is getting with God and letting him speak to you and tell you why things are going on the way that they are. You can't get away from the law of reaping and sowing. You can't. I mean, some of the things I got going on, Leah's like, well, I just prayed for crop failure. (laughs) I did. But listen to me tonight. God's merciful. He is. He's so good and merciful. But if we never understood the consequences of some of our decisions, we will never be kept on the right path.
It's the truth. Listen, listen, warning you of the dangers of sin and disobedience is not fleshly or demonic. It's God wanting his people to apply the truth to his life, to your life, so that you will be blessed. That's what God wants. He wants you blessed. And, and I'm telling you, when David inquired, he had to be shocked. Wait. God just immediately just, this, this is why. This is why this is happening. The reason that we have to get to the root to change the fruit of something, this is the reason. Because in this case, the consequence did not match up with the action. Are you seeing that? That is, that is very important to under, understand in this instance. It's like, wait, we have famine in the land and there's a lack, but it goes back to breaking an oath all these years ago that Joshua 9 is where that's found. And they tricked Joshua. But think about it. God was so, was so thought it was so important that they heed to, heed to their word that if you made the covenant with the Gibeonites, which were the Amorites at the time, if you make a covenant with them, then you better honor it. And if you break it, the consequences aren't on the Gibeonites or Amorites. It's on you. You say, man, this is heavy night. No, it's not. It's going to help all of us Amen. understand that when we say that we're going to do something, the best thing we can do is do it because this is years, years down the road. Matter of fact, if you go back, that was made 37 years before, and David is in the third year, and here at the scripture we just read, he's in the third year of his reign. And doesn't it amaze you that nobody stepped back and said, why? <laughs> why is this going on? One of the best questions you can get when you get into the presence of the Lord, we just want to feel the peace and feel the pleasure, and, and it's wonderful, trust me. But one of the best questions you can ever inquire of the Lord with is, Lord, Why? Why? Why Why do I get angry with somebody that takes too long in a McDonald's line? Why? Am I somehow, usually I want my coffee and I want it now. That's, you're absolutely right, Daniel. But think about it. Do I think that my time is more valuable than that person in front of me? Do I think that I'm more valuable than the person in front of me? It, yes, I do. But do you understand when, when, when we finally face some of those things that we don't ever like to face about ourselves, and David was doing this here in this situation. He's saying, I don't, I don't like this. This isn't, this isn't the way that you promise. So when you have a promise from God and it's not lining up with what he promised, we know that God is faithful. We know that God is going to come through. We know that his promises have stood the test of thousands of years. So the issue in this situation wasn't the promise, right? It was their disobedience in a certain area. So when you begin to ask why, don't be shocked when God comes back. And again, when we compare ourselves to other people, if I were to do that, I mean, I would feel great about myself, but I don't compare myself to other people. I compare myself to Jesus and when I compare myself to Jesus, I can't envision Jesus honking the horn at somebody that took too long in McDonald's parking in, in the line. He might have one time or two. I don't know. Maybe He did turn over the, cha the money changers in the temple. 
Leah, Leah fussed at me just a while back, and I just told her, I said, I'm pastoring people, Leah. She said, that might be somebody in the church. I said, good, I'm pastoring them to go at the green light. It's, I'm pastoring right here. She said, no, you're not. No, you're not. She corrected me real quick. And the answer comes. David says, why? He says, it's because of Saul's sin. They are reaping another man's sowing. It's in Joshua 9. There was a promise made that wasn't honored. This wasn't going to be fixed by praying through, fasting in a way, worshiping more, wishing more, casting out devils. (laughs) We as charismatic Christians especially love this ministry, don't we? Get thee behind me, Satan. Yeah. Get thee behind me. Get, you know, devil, you get under my feet. And those things are fine and well in and of themselves. But if you come to the the next situation, it's, it's the same six months later or a year later or two years later or three years later. It ain't the devil, hon. It's not. That's... You know, David could have stepped back and said, man, just look at this spiritual warfare we're in the midst of. We're going to have to suffer through famine because the enemy hates us, and he did. And he wanted to destroy Israel. He always has. This was none of that. So there's some things that we come up against that are just a process of reaping and sowing. He says it's revealed in prayer, but it's not dealt with in prayer. Think about that. He says this is revealed of what the issue is in prayer, but in this situation it wasn't dealt with in prayer. It's dealt with by getting a hold of the offended party and working through it. That's what this situation entailed. Hey, this isn't going to change until you make the change to make something right. This is, this is a real sermon for you tonight because I thought about this all afternoon. We, again, we love to just say, ah, it's under the blood, it's in the past. I, oh my. And it is. When you give your life to Jesus, you are called what's something called justified. He declares you righteous and holy, and you can come into his presence. But, honey, let me tell you something. There's also something called sanctification, that we walk through a process where throughout our lives, God will reveal something to say, hey, I want you to go back and make something right. Some in here today are waiting for a miracle to take you out of something that really requires restitution to make right. I'll say it again. Some of you are in here are waiting on a miracle that requires restitution to make right. You say, what's, the, what's restitution? It's making something right where you look back in your life and you say, hey, I know in this instance, in this instance, the people of God, David, David wasn't the one that made the decision. And we could go down a road right now, but I'm going to not do that. We could go down a road even into our past people that we inherited DNA from. And the way we act, the way we talk, some of the things that we do are very genuine spiritually. They are. Have you ever noticed that some people, especially when I counsel with people with addiction issues, well, tell me about your family. Well, you know, my mom was an alcoholic and her grandma was an alcoholic and their grandma was an alcoholic. And they're great. You know, they they can go back several generations. Do you know what? That's not. That's not something that's an accident. That's the enemy working in a way that pushed pushed that stuff down through generations. And honestly, if David wouldn't have inquired of the Lord and humbled himself before God and said, "I need to make this right," this would have went on for years and probably generations and generations. But we never just stop long enough to ask why. 
why this is going on. David did. Because it's not a food shortage issue. It's a Gibeonite issue. It's not a food shortage problem. So it, it takes us getting down to the root of the issue. We want the consequences fixed. We all do this. God duct tape it. God duct tape it. God get me out of this consequence. But can I tell you tonight, if you really want something to change, you've got to deal with the root of why you do what you do. I heard of a school system where they no longer even give F's. This is the world we're living in, and this isn't God's world. This is the world we live in, and they no longer give F's. They give DS's. DS's. You know what DS's are? Delayed success. Gosh, I wish they had DS's when I was in school. Come on, somebody. Oh, that would be so wonderful. But we're living in a culture that doesn't hold anybody responsible. Are you listening to me? God doesn't operate that way. He doesn't. He does not operate that way. Take any area of your life and where there is a lack or a famine or a shortage, so to speak, then we need to just say, God, what's the issue? Look at verse 1 again, and then I'll finish up. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the presence of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house because, because he killed the Gibeonites. So what do you do then? Look at verse 3. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall, shall I do for you? And, by, and with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? So he's saying our blessing is directly in the hands of the Gibeonites. It's directly in the hand of somebody else that may be even outside of the covenant of God. Listen, our future simply is tied to some things that we go back and we make right when, when we're able to make right. And I'll say this, and especially any men in here, men, we, again, it, it's, it's, it's the fruit of something not matching up with what we think is the root of something. And this is clearly in the Bible when, when the Bible clearly teaches that if we don't, men, if we don't treat our wives right, our prayers are hindered. I mean, we could sit there for months and say, God, you're not coming through for me. Trust me, I'm a pastor. And I get these calls and texts all the time. All the time. Three of them this week. God, Pastor, I just don't understand. I understand. And it's, it's my role and job to, to lovingly say this, 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 and this through the unction of the Holy Spirit. But, but church... We don't look at our life and say, boy, it just seems like a lot of unanswered things in our life. How am I treating people? <laughs> but the, the word is very clear, especially as men. If you don't treat your wife right, then you're going to have issues in your life. The serious side of this is this. We sometimes just kind of patch things together and never really fix the problem. As you want to see breakthrough take place, as you look through the New Testament, you'll see this. People were seeking out Jesus to get their lives fixed. That's why people sought him, right? They heard there was somebody that could fix their problem. And one in particular, the book of Mark, I call it the book of desperation. Because in the book of Mark, the people that he paints a picture of there were people who 
were desperate to see God change their situation. Church, we have to get desperate sometimes to see the situations in our life change. In other words, you don't accidentally find your answer to what's going on in your life. It doesn't happen that way. You don't accidentally stumble across it. You have to apply yourself and go after it. Again, if you do the math here, it's 37 years of Saul's reign, three years of David's reign, that this had been going on. And it just simply wasn't dealt with. Church, don't don't learn how to live with the lack. Don't learn how to live with the lack in your life. And again, hear what your pastor's saying tonight. There are times and seasons and places where the enemy does come in. And you do have to stand against him, and you've got to fight spiritually. and you got, Or there's other times where you just know that you know, God, you're with me, and there's nothing I can do about this. This wasn't anybody's fault. This is just life. And, God, you're going to give me faith and strength and peace to walk through this and to stand in the midst of what's going on. But this wasn't this. We learn to live with lack. Or even in sometimes spiritually, we see what's coming down the road and we fail to act in order to correct something. It's like the lady who called the insurance company. She's talking to the insurance guy and she said, I need insurance on my house. And he said, great, I'll be by in a couple of days to take a look at it and we'll get you an insurance policy. She said, you better hurry, it's on fire right now. But how often do we treat our spiritual lives that way? Church, come on, somebody in this place, be honest with me for two seconds. We treat God, God, he's so good. He'll help you put that fire out. But can I tell you what's going to keep you from having a fire six months down the road? Finding out why you had one in the first place. You duct tape the wires spiritually together in your life, there's going to be a problem. And walk in repentance. Just walk in it. You know what the devil hates? He really hates this. Zero balanced lives. You can live a zero balanced life with the Lord. Credit card companies hate zero balanced customers. Why? Because they don't make anything off of them, right? There is such thing as called a zero balanced life with the Lord. Because if you'll go to him continually and consistently and daily, he will keep these issues up in front of you to where he'll help you change them and you don't have the fire down the road. You're living under the blessing of God. Obedience. Amen? I'm going to close with this. Quick things, but I'm going to close with this. Number one, you're not always called to endure, but also to examine. You're not only called to endure some things, you're also called to examine some things. That's what the scripture says. He examined. If David doesn't pray, more years of famine. And this this just speaks of the incredible importance of self-examination. Now, notice what I didn't say. I didn't say anything about letting the enemy come and condemn you, right? We could all sit down and just condemn ourselves for many things in our life. I don't allow the enemy to continue to condemn me for something in my life that I'm applying myself spiritually to help change. Are you tracking with me? But examination is a good thing. It's wonderful to sit down with the Lord and just say, Lord, examine my heart. Show me, and I'm not comparing myself to the person over here, the person driving past me over there. I'm comparing myself to you and the way you would do something and the way you would react and the way you would follow this out. How do you do that, you say? How how do I examine myself? How, How do I do that? 
David's situation meant that he was a, a man of enough prayer and enough closeness to God that he just knew when something didn't smell right. You ever, you ever picked up something you're fixing to eat and it just, you just put it down? Is it just something? Anybody else in here? I wish I would have done that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I got ice cream out of the fridge. Leah had made some, some apple cook, some apple crumble stuff. Real easy to make, but I love this. I've been asking her for a long time to make it. She surprised me after dinner. A couple, it was on a Sunday night just a couple weeks ago. And I got, look, apple crumble is not good without some vanilla ice cream, y'all. It's just not. And I got into, you know, my, my daughter loves ice cream. She's a big ice cream eater, so we always have a bunch of it. I'm not that big of an ice cream eater, but I pulled out the bottom drawer on the freezer, and I had to dig through all these cheese, cookies, and cream. We had like three gallons. I'm like, who eats three gallons of cookies and cream? Got all in there, and I pulled out some vanilla ice cream. Had pulled it out, let it sit for a little bit, scooped it out, went, you know, in the other room where I was watching TV, and I began to eat it. And Leah walked through about 10 minutes later. She said, oh, I think that's bad. I'm like, now you tell me. Why is it in our freezer if you think it's bad? And listen, it was so frozen, I couldn't, if I let it thaw a little bit more, it might not have passed the smell test. Do you know, spiritually speaking, what we can do to help discern if something just, what I'm talking about is, is listen, you've got the Holy Spirit down on the inside of you. It's that, it's that, just that gut test, y'all. It's just that place in our hearts that we kind of say, eh. One thing that they do at a high-end perfume or cologne store is they'll keep coffee beans around. Coffee beans, if you've smelled a bunch of smells, in other words, we walk through enough of life, everything begins to smell the same, and it's not the same spiritually. We need to have discernment. We need to have the Holy Spirit show us. That's what David did. He said, something doesn't smell right about this. Something that just doesn't seem right. So prayer is like cleansing your palate spiritually so that when you're praying about people and situations, what job to take, what person to be in a relationship with long-term, you hearing what I'm saying? You can go to the Lord and something just doesn't sit right. So number one, don't be afraid to inquire of the Lord and ask him to examine the situation. Everybody say examine. examine. Or examine you. Number two, run to God at the first sign of trouble. I shared Sunday. I just had a very difficult situation I was facing. And what did I do? I ran straight to God. Most people get in a situation and they run from God. David ran to God. Or can I say a middle ground? We complain about our situation. How many have ever complained their way into something changing? Can I see a hand? Really? You've complained enough that it changed? I've prayed enough and seen it change, but I haven't complained enough. So run to God. That's simple. Here's why. When you ask God, he's going to give you a strategy. He's going to give you a strategy of how to see the situation come to pass. Number three, if you'd stand with me tonight. And I've already talked a little bit about this, but it is so true. Consequences and roots don't match all the time. More food wasn't going to fix it. I mean, how many alive back during David's time would have looked at the situation and said, oh, famine, it's got to be the Gibeonites? Nobody. 
don't, here's my point, don't be shocked when you begin to inquire of the Lord about a situation in your life, whether you're in it now or you will be it in the future, you will be there. When you inquire of the Lord in it, he brings up something from way back here or brings up something. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Even if you feel it in your heart, man, it just doesn't seem to matter. Obey the Holy Spirit. Obey what he's telling you to do to fix a relationship or maybe something in your past where you've offended somebody especially. You don't know of what part of that you're carrying into your future. I would have put that together because there's some things we only get from God. God and godly people will help us sniff out what's really going on. So that's my question today as we close. What is it in your life that the same as this scripture, the spiritual application for us, is what is it in your life that seems to be just continuing year after year after year after year? Whether, again, it be an addiction. Can I even tell you a secret? Not so much a secret, but just a powerful principle when it concerns addiction. Most of the people who are addicted to something are just so hurt inside, are so down on themselves that they just continually turn to something. Can I, can I give you a key? The Lord will take you and show you where even that hurt came into the picture. He will. And here's the thing. Once you heal that, once you get to the root, you don't have to try to produce the fruit of, of being sober in your life. It will come naturally from the power of the Holy Spirit. You be on guard. You stand against it. You fight when you need to fight and have people fight for you. But there's so many things in our life that can just be fixed by asking the Lord. And, and listen to me, that, even mean, that may even mean that the Lord will even come full circle and show you how you can make restitution for something. Because a lot of times we are just reaping something of our past that we don't realize. So let's pray together tonight. Let's ask the Holy Spirit just to, to reveal and to help us any area that we may face. That like David, as he inquired of the Lord, as he sought him, gave him a strategy, showed him what to do. Father, tonight we open our hearts. God, we understand that that's not always easy and it's not always pleasant because, God, we know as we compare ourselves to you and your holiness and the, the, the beauty of who you are, we fall so short. But, Lord, we also understand, spiritually speaking, the principle that, God, if we don't ever evaluate these things, we will never be able to overcome them. So, Lord, I pray that there would be a revelation in our prayer times, a revelation, a voice of the Holy Spirit coming in and just saying, this is the reason that this is manifesting in our lives, God. Speak to our hearts. Show us, God, much like you did, David, where it, when he inquired of the presence of the Lord. God, you showed him where the problem was. Father, we... We open our hearts tonight. We ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, to bring your peace, to bring your goodness and your love to bear. Because, God, we also acknowledge that, Lord, you correct us when we need to be corrected. We open ourselves to that. And we humbly say, Lord, we want to be like you. Father, I pray tonight and ask that the blessings of God that are ours in Christ Jesus Father, would manifest, and where they're not manifesting, I pray, God, for grace and mercy to be able to see the outpouring of your answer and blessing in each one of us, Father. Lord, you're not a God of lack, and you're not a God of famine. 
You're a God of, of abundant blessing. The windows of heaven thrown open and poured out from men into us, God. God, help us tonight. Show us areas. We want to walk in obedience to your word. We want to walk in, in a place where we fear from ever breaking that fellowship and communion with you, God. We want to walk with our hearts pure and the blessings flowing to others around us, Lord God. So tonight, search our hearts. Give us a strategy, much like you gave David, Father, to see the area and to be able to to fix it with the genius of the Holy Spirit. We love you tonight, Lord. I bless the people of God that are here. May they be blessed as they go. Keep them safe, Father, as they drive out through the rain back to their homes or wherever their next destination is. Father, I pray you keep your mighty hand upon them. You would bless them. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. We, we pray and speak over every member of Christian Center Church tonight that's struggling physically in their bodies or even in their minds. Lord, we speak the healing power of God over them. We speak your word over them that they may be healed, body, soul, and spirit, Father. And God, bring us back together at your appointed time safely and with much joy of answered prayer. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Go in the name of the Lord tonight. It's good to see you on this Wednesday night. Be careful and be blessed. Nobody's told you they love you today. Your pastor loves you. And more importantly, God does.